Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. This is podcast number four. My name's Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your host for today. The Business Diaries is a quarterly storytelling event featuring five storytellers from the business community. Each event has a theme which our storytellers base their stories upon. It's always an inspiring evening. The stories are always entertaining, some quite hilarious, and it would also be true to say that the odd tear has been shed. The podcast is designed to discuss the stories in a little more depth and to get some valuable tips from the business owner. Today, we are revisiting the theme, Embracing Change, and we welcome our storyteller, Joe Dodds. Hi, Joe. Thank you for coming in to chat with us today. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Joe, you're no stranger to podcasting. You have your own podcast, which has been running for a good few years now. It's obviously, some, obviously something you really enjoy. It is, yeah. I've actually got two podcasts. I've been mm-hmm. podcasting for Engage for Success, the national movement around employee engagement for seven years and i've had my own podcast for probably four or five years i think so All yeah right. so i told isla it was two years so I was <laughs> way out <laughs> way out okay so it's true to say that the story you shared at the business diaries was very personal um even though you had at that point have had lots of speaking experience you know you had been on the radio um you were speaking at conferences and events etc etc but i do recall you saying to me Actually, this is a little bit scary because it was a bit different and Mm -hmm. that's because it was personal, wasn't it, on the night? Um, So your story was very much focused on your dad and I recall that your dad was quite a successful man. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, he was. And as you say, it's not something that I've particularly talked about. He died when I was 19, so that's like 31 years ago now. But when I did the talk, uh, I was actually the same age then as he was when he died i remember that i remember there was some connection yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so uh, he had a computer business in the 70s and early 80s which uh, was obviously really early in terms of the computer uh, world he'd he'd done lots in the 60s working for other people but he set up a data processing company in the 70s which was really successful he jet set it all around the world he went on concord he had clients in south africa america australia everywhere um was away a lot working and everything else. And then in, uh, in fact, in 1982, he was in the Mail on Sunday because he'd been a bricklayer when he started his uh, working life. But mm-hmm. now he owned a business that was due to turn over £2 million in 1982. So it was very, quite very you know, successful, successful yeah. at the time. And, yeah. Yeah. and you, how old were you then? Sort of when, 82, uh, I was 13. Right, OK. Same age as my daughter is now, how Yes, I? yeah. <laughs> All these <laughs> connections. Think, yeah. Uh, and uh, what happened was there was a, a big uh, business deal set up uh, two or three years after that, maybe slightly earlier than that, uh, that fell through and, you know, what uh, business is like and cash flow and everything else. And basically he lost the business, we lost our house, and uh, then subsequently my mum and him split up, which was sort of had always really been on the cards. It had a very volatile relationship. Uh, but all of that sort of happened at the same sort of time. And so I was 16 then, 15, 15 probably, um, and they split up and I ended up living with my dad and my sister. And then when I was 19, he died. So uh, it was all a 
quite difficult teenage mm. <laughs> uh, mm. time, if you like. And, you know, I look back at it now and think how young I was. At the time, I felt like I was quite grown up and dealing with it quite well and so on. But actually, you know, I look back now and think, you know, that is such a young age mm. to lose mm. a parent. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and my mum and I didn't particularly get on a lot of the issue when they were splitting up. Uh, I was quite like my dad, so she would take stuff out on me when he wasn't around. And so I didn't really get on with her either. And so when he died, I really was quite on my own. My sister went up to Scotland to live with my aunt and uncle. And, uh, yeah, I was on my own. Did you... Were you aware... I mean, you... Just uh, rewinding slightly, you were quite privileged um obviously because your dad was doing very well were you aware before that stopped of of your situation that you were living quite a good life etc i i don't think particularly i don't think i was any different really to the people i was at school with i lived in a nice area i lived in dorset i went to school in wimborne so most of the people uh you know had reasonable lives it wasn't like we were in a sort Mm, of um, mm. poverty stricken area uh the only thing that really was quite different was we had quite a big garden (laughs) we had two-thirds of an acre uh and so you know some of my friends who lived on the states or residential areas or whatever it was quite different from that point of view and uh, yeah okay we went to america on holiday which i guess then was less uh common uh and we went to israel randomly because he had clients in israel and we went there as well so sort of a bit unusual but we didn't really have lots of holidays and we didn't really do lots of stuff because he was working all the time and right. you know he was one of the first people that had a car phone and my mum actually denied it for years afterwards that he never had one and I remember he did because I remember going out on a trip once into the new forest and before we'd even got because we live right near the new forest before we'd even got to the end of the forest we pulled over because the phone had gone and we had to go home so that he could do something and mm. you know work and so on and so i hated that phone yeah. <laughs> talk about work-life balance now yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know he so i don't i didn't feel like it was a particularly sort of privileged upbringing with lots of uh stuff going on when i look at my own daughter you know with uh, less money <laughs> she does you know much more than i ever used to because um you know we've got more time to help her to mm. do that my mm. dad was never there really so would you would you say that the changes did affect you so maybe not financially but were, were there some changes that you had to make or oh, it changed it really? changed after we lost lost the house and yeah. then we moved into a rented house and uh as i say mum and dad their relationship really broke down then and then when they split up we moved into another house with my dad and he had very little money um he was still contracting uh, and he had a couple of clients that he carried on doing work with so there was a bit of money coming in i mean i look back now and think i don't know how he was coping with it all financially mm. because he had very little money coming in but i wasn't really that aware of it at the time uh, but, you know, we had we used to have a, a detective that used to come around every so often and check that we weren't living the life of Riley because basically my dad owed the Midland Bank £180,000. Okay. So even if he'd earned money, <laughs> there wasn't ever really gonna, going to be any. Uh, and he, you know, he did contracting, but he didn't like working for other people, so he'd do that for a few weeks and then fall out with them. Uh, and he basically, he, he'd always drunk a lot, but he used to drink when he wasn't working and because he worked a lot you know it was the play, work hard play hard sort of mentality mm. but he just basically started drinking more and more and he died of cirrhosis of the liver in the end so he nice. i don't I can't remember if i actually said that no, in, I don't think in the do. business diary no. so he um he had internal bleeding and died on the 21st of december just before christmas so with you know five days notice and in fact i didn't even know i went he went into hospital uh on the friday and i went to visit him in the evening 
And he said, oh, don't bother coming in tomorrow. I know you've got to work because I worked in retail. He said, come in on Sunday. And then on Sunday, sort of 2 o'clock in the morning, they phoned to say that he'd taken a turn for the worst. And we went in and they basically said, we can't stop the bleeding and it'll just be, you know, he'll he'll mm. die when mm. he basically bleeds to death, I suppose. Um, and it was, you know, they talk about all the different... Um, sort of periods of grieving and so on and you know the the anger thing I think lasted for ages with me because I never had a chance to talk to him because he didn't tell me he was dying they didn't tell me he was dying and by the time I knew he was unconscious so you know when I as I say look back now and think how young I was I my father-in-law died a few years ago and we nursed him at home and I had lots of time to you know chat to him him and help him and really right right to the end even on the last day when he was unconscious and not speaking we were in the room talking to him and around him and we could tell he could hear us because he was grunting at all the mm. right places and um, I couldn't do that with my dad because I, mm. I just couldn't do it. I just it's like losing someone in an accident, isn't it? It's yeah. just final, it's just done and, yeah, no preparation. No, really. exactly. And, you know, I, and I could have done it because he was there and unconscious and I could have spoken to him but I couldn't because I just couldn't bring myself to do so because mm. I was too young and I didn't have anyone and to support me. And your sister me. was younger than you, Yeah, she, she was 16, uh, so, mm. um, and she was, you know, she was outside in floods of tears. I was sitting next to him, not speaking, and my friend was running between the two of us, trying to sort of see, you know, how, what she could do to help. So I look back now. I mean, I don't, I don't do regrets, and I don't look back and feel guilty that I didn't do more because I did what I could, you know, at the time, at the age that that I was at. But um, I do look back and think, God, you know, how how hard must it have been to not have mm. that support? I don't mm. really remember it being as hard as it probably was, you know. You block these things mm. out, don't you? So did you have to change school as well during no, this time? No, I was... I, um, we moved to a, a house near where we were, mm. um, so I carried on going to the, the same school. I I did my O-levels just um, when we lost the house, but then um, my two years of A-levels, I basically did mm. pretty much nothing. <laughs> and uh, the school didn't really know, actually, and I had a really bad school report the last school report they did and my dad went in and actually said do you realize that you know we've we've had all this happen she's now running a house basically because you know I'm on my own with um my as I say my younger sister and uh, so they rewrote my school report and said that I'd made a a good choice you know on balance based on my sort of life situation Mm. but then I'd complicated matters by meeting somebody who became my first husband and uh I didn't want to go to university by that stage either so I guess I wasn't really sort of working hard but I was saying something the other day on the plus side, I got A-level English and I didn't even read any of the books. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. That. That's, yes. So my pragmatic impressive. sort of, you know, uh, working your way through something. Yeah, not recommended. No, not, not recommended at all. But, you know, it I'd just Put shows. your hands over your ears, little Dodsey, if you're listening. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So, uh, yeah, so things changed, but they, you know, I didn't have to change schools. My friends mm. were still there and that sort of thing. But when he died, I was 19 and I was working for Safeway in Bournemouth and uh, I split up with my boyfriend not long after, although I did end up subsequently getting back with him and marrying him. Big mistake. Um, <laughs> but uh, luckily I moved into a flat where there were people who I had known because I'd lived there before. Mm. I went back and lived in a different one of their flats and they sort of took me on their, under their wing uh, and supported me and, you know, work were really good and so on. But uh, when I look back now, I think, I don't know how I did all of that and stayed afloat. And, yeah, absolutely. You know. and, and if you think now... We're also very much about uh, trauma recovery, well-being, etc. Mm-hmm. Would there have been some 
something available to you now, perhaps that wasn't in those days, or were you offered any? Well, it's interesting. I was talking to I was talking at an event actually last week, and somebody was talking about compassion in the workplace. This mm. was in my employee engagement uh, part of my business, and she was saying about her. She really awfully, her partner died when she was six months pregnant with her now thirteen-year-old daughter, and she was saying how brilliant her business were at looking after her and helping her. And then when I was talking about something that I was talking about. For some reason, the thing about my dad came up. I wouldn't normally talk about it, but it was appropriate for the the thing. And then the third speaker gets up and says, well, apparently it's quite fashionable on this stage to talk about people who've died. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have had a death to be on the stage. And uh, it was was quite funny. But it was... um, uh, It's interesting that... uh, I was saying, uh, the reason I said it at the time actually was that I went straight back to work. So she was off for a long time, obviously having a child and, mm. you know, you can imagine it must have been absolutely horrendous for two or three years. Uh, and I said, well, do you know what? My dad died on the the Sunday. I went back to work on the Monday mm. <laughs> because yeah. to me, all I could do is sit at home in an empty house without my dad. Um, the atu- the being alternative and upset and, and sad being with and people. Else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just went straight back to work. Yeah. And, and the the irony, uh, the irony, which I, it did make me laugh as well, was that one of my friends had um, clubbed together and they bought me some flowers and a bottle of vodka because I used to drink vodka. But that was also what my dad used to drink. So the fact that he'd been killed by it, <laughs> <laughs> there was a certain level of irony. But you know, but I went back to work and. I don't remember. The only thing I did is I buried it all, and every time I got upset about something else, so if I had an argument with my boyfriend, you know, later on, or if I had a, a big row with someone and got or work and I got upset, it just completely went loopy. You know, it, it exacerbated the whole thing, and I ended up, you know, sobbing for 12 hours, not 12 hours, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, sobbing for hours about a small thing, and it wasn't the small the thing small I was crying thing. about, it was yeah. about my dad. Yeah. And the rest of the time I kept... I knew I kept it under a... A, a, a sort of, you know, thing that hidden. you couldn't get past. Yeah, it yeah. was hidden. And, and the other thing is, when you have people that die, people often will say things and then you know they're going to be embarrassed. So people would go, oh, so where does your dad live? Or, you know, your mum mm. and your dad, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I'd think, oh, don't ask me that. Not because I was bothered, because I'd be quite happy to say, you know, he died when I was 19. But I knew that as soon as I said that, then they'd be going, oh, I'm really sorry. Just the response, you know, sort yeah. Of thing. So, and it's that whole thing with grief as well. Mm. People, when someone's died, that whole thing about, you know, crossing the road if you see them, because you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And a, yeah, a, f- yeah. a friend of mine, her son died, and they're Sri Lankan. And... When the the other son rang me to tell me, you know, obviously I was completely shocked, didn't know what to do, and he said, just come round. I said, well, I just can't come round. He said, no, no, you can, just come round. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really hard to do because we're not programmed to do that. We we close Mm. our doors and get on with things, Mm -hmm. whereas they didn't. So I, I bucked up the courage and I went round there and the front door was even open. It wasn't even closed. So I just pushed the door and it opened. And there were loads of people there, loads yeah. of people. And the other son was sat at the kitchen table. He said, hi, hi, come in, come in. You know, and this yeah. is, you know, this is my great aunt. And this is, you know. So I ended up sitting around the table and then other people were coming in. So I was making cups of tea for other people. And then all the flowers were arriving. They had family all over the world. So flowers were, were literally arriving every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So... I was taking them and I was trying to find... I was rummaging through the the cupboards trying to find vases and everybody was doing something and the parents, my friend and her husband, were just... Sometimes they were upstairs because they were crying 
Sometimes they were coming down and having a chat. Sometimes they'd just go on. And, but we all carried on around them. Mm. But that was a, a, a tower of support for them. And yeah. actually, I found that really supportive too. So I went back the next day mm. just because mm. it seemed to be the thing to do yes, and carried yes. on with my, my flower arranging. Well, I don't <laughs> think it's something that we don't, we don't deal with or talk about very much in our culture, as you say. And I mean, I certainly think, as I said, my father-in-law died three years ago and I, I'm sure that how I dealt with all of that was so, you know, um, a result of what you learned. Yeah. What I learned from before, yeah, sort of again, the fact that what not you know, to do, and yeah, and, everything and also you had your daughter to consider as well because mm-hmm. you wanted her to get through that, probably not the way you got through it. No, exactly, and I mean she was brilliant. You know, her, my mum died uh, a few years before that, three years before that. She read at her funeral when she was six. She read a really complicated poem, and when Granddad died, she didn't want to leave him. And I, I remember his brother. Uh, saying, oh, um, the nurses are coming and they need to take, you know, the catheter away and things like that. You know, Ellie, Ellie, come with me, come with me. And she wouldn't go and started crying. And I sort of felt she ought to go because he was saying that she ought to go. And I, I'd sort of dropped my control of it and thought, oh, well, you know, that's probably, mm. you know, for the best. And then she started crying and I just said, no, actually, you can stay, it's not a problem. I said, just look away if you don't like what you're seeing. You know, mm. just you mm. don't need to be looking, just look away. And she came and sat down again. And then, in fact, when the... Um, undertaker came to get him we said we're going to go downstairs and you know um uncle david will stay with with granddad and she went and kissed him so he'd been dead for like two hours mm. and she went and kissed mm. him and said goodbye and all that sort of stuff which for a, at the time she would have been nine you know it was a really mature way of dealing with, with it, it but yeah. it was because we hadn't hidden it from mm. her or not discussed it and mm. you know she mm. she just really handled it well and it'd be interesting to see in you know, future years, um, obviously I won't see it when I die, <laughs> how she'll respond because she's had a different yes. experience. You know, yeah. I, I, I hadn't had anyone die until my dad died. He was the first mm. one. So all the funerals I go to now, you know, anchor back to, to his, which is why mm. it's, you mm. know, quite traumatic from that point of view. But, yeah, uh, yeah interesting. What I think is that really comes out for me in the way you tell your story and everything that's happened to you and literally with your, what you were just saying about um, your daughter is that, when you go through a process and it's completely unexpected, you lose that sense of control over the situation. And much of what happened to you in your childhood was completely out of your control and you're just having to deal with these different scenarios all the time. And and then when somebody dies, obviously you have the, the grief to go through as well. But again, your life is completely turned upside down. And there is an element of trying to put some kind of control and um, some structural routine um, I'm not quite sure what the right terminology, but yeah, maybe a routine back mm-hmm. in your um, in your life. And do you think these themes, this control, the sense of routine, empowerment, if you like, over what you're doing, has been one of the big sort of threads that you've taken into adulthood? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was always sort of quite. I probably always wanted to be in control, whether I was or not. <laughs> a different scenario, uh, but I. I think I built resilience, and that's mm. one of the things I talked about at the Business Diaries yes. event. You know, yeah. for me, resilience is something mm. that's really important, and I built that really young, uh, and you know, quite quickly, I suppose. And so, as I say, you know, I, I've told people stories, and, and they're like, "Oh my god!" You know, I talk about things like we got a court injunction out to stop my mum coming within a mile of our house at one stage because she used to attack my dad and stuff like that. And I remember. I was moving out because it was getting so bad and she uh, tried to lock me in the house and 
we had there's all sorts of things and I used to tell these things because they were just sort of sensational and you know quite entertaining and people would be, would be like oh my god you know but there are you know so many people who've had such, so many worse mm. situations than I had uh, you know and I gobsmacked that they've sort of got through them and yeah. come out the other side and and I suppose part of it's because I did do have some weird things mm. happen to me when I look at some people's lives and nothing seems to have gone wrong at all and I'm sure that's not true um but yeah, I think it did. It did definitely build resilience, um, and but it also made me need security. And it's interesting, you know, having had a, a business for fifteen years, I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't met my current husband, and I had the security mm. to be able to do that. I think, um, interestingly, my dad had a business. I probably should have had a business. I was probably unemployable long before I stopped working for other people. Uh, but I wouldn't have taken that chance. I wouldn't have even thought to do it, and it mm. wasn't because I until you were in the right environment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I look at it now and think, you know, I probably should have done this all along, and my dad did, and I'm very like him. Why would I not have done it? Yeah. But um, I d definitely craved security and was worried. But you've always been very organised. Yeah. I mean, and, and very good at managing your time. Um, but then that's part of the problem, isn't it? And that thing about being in control, because if you want to go and start a business and be entrepreneurially and everything else, you have to take chances yeah, and, yeah. And, and have insecurity and, and unpredictable things mm, happen. Mm. And actually, that's something... But I think that you're very in control. You, it comes across now as an adult. I, mean, I didn't know you as a child, but obviously as I've known you in the time mm. that I've known you, you're very um, in control and very keen to keep that life balance and you're very always very aware of what's happening with your daughter mm -hmm. and, and and keeping... I'm not saying being overprotective because you're not, and, and we're all very protective <laughs> of our children, but you're yeah. certainly aligned, I would say. And, and, and do you think that comes from what happened? Um, it's got a couple of things, uh, or a few things. I think, firstly, my dad instilled a, a, a big value in me around you get out of life what you put into it. And it's funny when I anything happens with any I'll go, what did my dad used to say? She was like, oh, God, I don't know. He said so many things. But there's two main things that she does remember. One is that you only get out of life what you put into it. And the other one's that Mark Twain quote, quote about when he was 19, he thought his father was a fool, but by the time he was 21, he was amazed how much he'd learned in three years. Um, <laughs> that's two years, isn't it? Anyway, whatever. Um, uh, which, you know, my dad used to quote at me all the time, and I'm already starting to quote early. Uh, but, you know, it, it was partly that. It's, it's also... I wanted to ha start a business to have a child so I could stay at home, home. and look mm -hmm. after her. So I didn't ha get pregnant, have a child, and then not go back to work. I actually started a business it, first. Yeah. Well, that's, that not that organised? <laughs> <laughs> that is organised, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so that was partly that. And then, But after that, when I started my first publishing business, I was working ridiculous hours and everything else. And in 2011, I had a seizure in the middle of the night and... That pulled me up short because I realised that I was, you know... They said, oh, it's epilepsy, we can treat you. And I said, well, how do we know it's epilepsy? It might be something else. And they said, well, you know, we can treat you. And I said, yeah, but if you treat me and it never happens again, we'll never know. So I said, can't we just see what happens? So they, they said yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I researched it all and, you know, lack of sleep, eating badly, drinking too much uh, and stress can cause seizures and I'm sure that's what happened because I've not had one since. Never had one again. And I changed my business and then my mum died and my father-in-law got diagnosed with cancer. All of that made me realise that you've got to live now, mm -hmm. not to do something for the future and, uh, or as well as doing something for the future. So I don't think my dad dying when he did was the thing that made 
really that happen. I think it was what happened, mm. you know, sort of six, seven years ago, uh, which made me really realise that you could just end up working ridiculous hours and, and mm. you know, not enjoying yourself now for some future mm. that may not happen. Yeah. So after the storytelling, you said to me that, oh, that was quite therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you're not the first person to have said that. No. So... What did you feel? What, how did storytelling affect you? And um, I know that that was probably the first time you'd strung quite a few aspects together to make mm-hmm. a story. So was it the first time of airing and it was good to get off your chest? Or I was one of the ones that cried <laughs> that you mentioned earlier, so that was a bit <laughs> odd because I don't do that in public normally. Um, well, I, I am you weren't a story- the only one. No, exactly. I am a storyteller and I tell stories all the time in business but I don't I hadn't particularly told my story in that way so Mm. I suppose that's prompted me to do more of that around seizure and you know the family deaths and all that sort of stuff um but it was also the fact that a lot of people came up to me and said oh I didn't know any of that Mm. (laughs) and you sort of think it's funny isn't it you build this sort of uh profile or, or whatever people think they know you and then they find there's a load of stuff that they didn't know and that, that was exactly and that's what we find with the lots of the yeah. storytellers and you know mainly most of the storytellers that i mean i don't know isla's mm. storytellers because they're usually tunbridge wells based but mm. my storytellers i know of them obviously because i've approached them or they've approached me yeah. so i know a certain amount about them but when they stand up there and they and it's literally a 10 minute 15 minute story you think oh my God, I did not know that about them. No, you know, no. and it, it does make you see them in a different light. Mm. And that's where the that business connection comes in, isn't it? Because it does, it elevates them up that know me, like me, trust me ladder. All of a sudden you think, Definitely. I could really do business yeah. with you. Mm. You've been through that. Mm. I resonate with that. You know, and, and you'll remember them and you will come back to them. So mm. it's not all about business and we don't allow pitching or anything like that, the storytelling. But it's just that short space of time and sharing that story really does give you such an insight into Mm. the person. The other thing for me was just the fact that it had to sort of have shape and be done in 10 minutes and, you know, have a point and everything else. I could just happily stand up for 10 minutes and tell you my story. I think you've noticed I could talk. Um, But... You didn't like being organised no, by exactly. me. No, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And, like, you know, I will never, I can say this, I will never do a TED Talk ever because I don't want to have particular period of time and a rehearsed talk and i love ted talks but i won't ever do one myself didn't funny you, isn't didn't it you love the business time. i did really love doing it <laughs> i did really love doing it but that was what was difficult because you know when i talk i speak i never rehearse what i'm going to say <laughs> as some people will be able to tell but no you know i i have a shape and i have a where i am and where i want to go and how it's going to go and that works fine mm. but to mm. actually do a very short you know, arced story with all the sort of right stuff in there. Plus the fact that you introduced me to the moth, didn't you? So I yes, heard yeah. loads of really good stories and I was under pressure. Oh, <laughs> love oh, the moth. We're big, we're big fans yeah. of the moth, aren't we? <laughs> the moth. Yeah. So the story that you shared was a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing now and what's your next project? Ah, so I've actually decided to listen to myself. Oh. <laughs> That's odd, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> actually do what you're teaching other people to do. So my business is all around getting to live more so Mm -hmm. it's having a successful business but getting to do more of the things you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do and i have something called my five fundamentals and they're about simplify systemize share self-care and sustain and i actually applied them to myself Mm. (laughs) so uh, i only have one product now which is my online membership for home-based coaches and consultants and it's about helping them to be successful 
and to get to live more. And it's taken forever to get to that because I'm somebody who can do a bit of this, a bit of that, mm. gets distracted by that, helps people with that. And I do do other things, but that's I don't tell anyone about the other things. I do those because I get asked to do them. But the bit that I do, apart from my employee engagement corporate stuff, is and that. And your podcast. But my podcast is Power to Live More. It no, is about it's, it's, this, uh, yeah. and it's aimed at the same people. So okay. what I found really interesting, having done publishing and online marketing and social media and all the stuff that I've done, I'm going back to basics now and doing all the stuff that I've taught for like 15 years for my own business, but all just based on one thing now. And, you know, how many times do we have businesses where people don't know what we do because we do so many different mm. things and we give one message here and a different message there and, you know, all that sort of thing. And mm. I don't do that now because I've finally followed my own instructions. <laughs> Learned your own lessons. <laughs> Learned my own lessons. <laughs> Eaten my own dog, dog food, as they say. I hate that. <laughs> Drunk my own champagne. I prefer that yes, one. Yes, yes that's, that's better. Yeah. Nice, so that's yeah. what I'm doing now. And so I have my membership site. And uh, and, I, and it's because I want to work from home or from anywhere. I yeah. want to work in my caravan. I spent six weeks in my caravan last summer. Uh, I want to be able to work from anywhere. So I'm actually really looking forward to this lockdown. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to say, no, sorry, I can't come to yeah. everything because, um, you know, I won't be able to and I don't need to anyway because I do my work from home. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fabulous. So one of the things I always remember about you is your productivity and um, a lot of the... Uh, none of the apps on my phone and my iPad are Joe Dodds recommended. So I brand it, shouldn't I? You should do. Yeah, I look at that and I say, "Oh, Joe, why have I got that there?" Oh, yeah, Joe told me to put that on there. Um, no, but seriously, what 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 do you have for us today? Have you got some tips you I can have, give us because you're always time saving and. Well, I thought actually, rather than thinking particularly about productivity, I'd look at the apps that I use the most. Uh, so I thought on a podcast note. Uh, my favourite podcast app is Overcast. Oh yes, you, you made that? me. You made me download that. Oh, a long well, there time you go. Ago. Yeah, and the reason I really love it, I mean, there's a number of things like you can speed them up and slow them down individually as well. So I can't. I listen to my own podcast because actually, I don't know if you've done that with yours yet, but you get a much different experience listening back than you do when you're interviewing. Oh, absolutely. And if you listen to it again, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, um, I can't speed myself up because i talk too quick uh but i speed everyone else up uh at varying levels depending on how quick they talk but also with overcast you can share links to particular parts of the podcast so sometimes when you know like you share stuff on social media that's been really helpful there's a bit in the podcast that's really helpful you can actually share that time so that works really well excellent um another one that is nothing to do with business uh is paprika which is a recipe app Ooh. and all of my cooking stuff goes onto this app and you can plan your meals on it you can create shopping lists from it and uh it's got timers in there and it's, it's just brilliant it's amazing oh, so I absolutely recommend good. that uh, if you want to keep habits going there's an app called habit share and so you can create something say you want to drink water every day you can create something that says you're going to drink water every day and you can tick off to say whether you've done it or not. And if you haven't, you can write in there why you didn't, what went wrong. There's a bit of a way of sort of I need that. coaching yourself. But you can also share it with other people. So if you wanted some accountability, mm. you could share it with your friend and they can go in and see whether you're doing it and help you to do, keep to that as well. And then Slack, if you uh, want to communicate in groups, it's a free online social platform, a bit like using Facebook or whatever. So some people use Facebook groups and things like that. But the beauty, I think, of Slack in comparison to something like Facebook, apart from all the extra functionality, is that people don't go into it and then get completely distracted mm -hmm. watching cat videos and all the other stuff. <laughs> and then finally, 
Zapier, which is uh, the platform that you can use to automate and connect different things together. So, for example, today I was doing some work for a client and I do some coaching for them and I had new coaches and I was adding them to my uh, CRM system and then I thought, oh, I could really do with adding them into my Google contacts so that when I email them they get the nice name up there and mm. everything else. And I thought, well, I won't do that many and I'll set up a zap. I haven't done it yet, but I will. Um, and then it will just happen automatically. Mm, oh, I could good. do with that. So what's, what CRM system do you use? Capsule CRM, which uh, I don't I don't really know anyone else who uses it, but I have used it for years and years and years for loads of different things, my own business, the choir that I used to run, uh, the admin for and all that sort of stuff. And I've looked at tons and tons and tons and not found anything that's as simple to look at and use and as customizable for what you need it for. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much for those recommendations. I'm definitely going to be checking those out. See you Especially writing Zapier. them down. I know, I have written them down. So sorry, guys, if you can hear me writing and I'm going to get looked at by our producer. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us, Joe, and for revisiting us and sharing that those extra little bits of insights and details. We really appreciate it and we've really enjoyed chatting to you. So can you just give us a reminder of your contact details or how people can find you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then just go to my website, which is powertolivemore.com. Fabulous. And your web and your podcast? Power to Live More. I was going to say webcast now. I was like, what am I talking about? <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks, Joe been brilliant thank you for coming in um i think we've got some fab takeaways isla what have definitely. you taken away apart from that long list that you made over? oh yes no that yes that definitely long list very happy about that i think what i've taken away from today is the value of having such a strong network around you when you're going through tumultuous times you, you know when you were young you were able to stay at the same school and you had that really strong family uh friend network with friends uh and then you've clearly taken that with you into your business career as well so yeah the value of a strong network i think finding sort of interesting how our younger or early life experiences plays out as when we're a a parent you know Mm. and parenting and i think that yeah definitely that shines through but thank you for all your tips and that's it for today um, all that remains is to give thanks to, of course, our guest, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And Paul Cheese, our fantastic jingle, uh, or for our fantastic jingle, and Paul Andrews for editing this podcast. And if you'd like to attend the next Business Diaries live event, the next one is on Thursday, the 11th of June, at a brand new, vedway, uh, brand new venue in Medway, which is the Education Centre at the Wisdom Hospice in Rochester. And you'll find us there with five new storytellers ready to share a story based on the theme Passion and Purpose. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. And for all our latest news and information, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. So enormous thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and will join us on our next podcast. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 